Hey, howdy. Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. I'm Jamel Zanishef. You're listening to Brew Strong with me, my co-host, Neil Spake. And my guest here today is Henry Kirk, the head brewer at Dark Star Brewery out in the UK. How's it going, guys? Good. Good morning. And good afternoon to you, Henry. Everybody's very lively today. And I just say, I'm so sorry that you're having to do this at eight o'clock in the morning. It just feels so uncivilized. Thank you for accommodating me. It's 4 p.m. here, but, you know, oh, God, I feel terrible. It's 4 p.m. somewhere. Yes. Drinking Cheers. time. Yes. Henry's been a good friend of mine since, uh, wow, back in, uh, when did we first meet? It was 2016. 2016, yeah. Yeah, 2016, yeah. And we met at Fuller's. And then I said, hey, anytime you're in California, come on by. I'll, I'll take care of you. And uh, sure enough, he said, well, I'll be there Tuesday. <laughs> I, 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 were... say, I, I hate to do this to you, Jamil, um, <laughs> to be accurate. But yeah, I'm coming next week. And um, imagine my amazement when you were there at Sacramento Airport to pick me up, a man of your word. <laughs> right. I, well, I thought you were kidding at first. And then you're like, no, no, I'm going to be there. Oh, I, all right. So uh, we hung out and uh, had a great time. And ever since then, I, I think we've been been good friends. We certainly have. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we've we've actually brewed two collabs together, which is unusual because usually once I've brewed one collab with somebody, they don't want to do a second one. There. <laughs> there. <laughs> They're good. Well, to be fair, it wasn't two yeah. separate breweries. That's true. It's two separate breweries. And Neil, you were there with us when uh, we, we brewed uh, Gale's Prize Old Ale. Absolutely. Uh, at Dark Star. My privilege and pleasure. Well, it was wonderful to have you aboard, Neil. Experience of a lifetime. And the, got the pictures to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Very useful evidence. Yes. <laughs> Proof. Oh, here's the fruits <laughs> of our labor. Yes. Our lovely listeners and viewers. Yeah, great, great bottling. And uh, somebody uh, hand wax dipping those like a madman for a long time. That, yes, that was me. That was my major contribution to the whole effort, hand waxing the <laughs> bottles. <laughs> well, I, I would say that, you know, one of your major contributions was in, in getting Prize Old Ale brewed again, right? Because it, it hadn't been brewed in, in quite a while, probably uh, a, a decade or more. Yes, yes, yes. I think the last time it was brewed was 2009. And the last time it was released was at, at Fuller's was 2011. So yeah, it kind of been sitting undisturbed until for about nine years in tank before I got it shipped from Fuller's Brewery to to Dark Star Brewery. I don't know if we I don't know if we want to get into the um, minutiae of all the various brewery buyouts that got us to where we all ended up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um I first dis- I first joined Fuller's in 2014, May 19th. And then I first sort of heard about Prize Old Ale sort of probably a year later, I suppose. And basically this incredible beer with this incredible history. Mm-hmm. Um, had just been lying in tank for undisturbed by that point for about four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the tank room at Fuller's, which is re- resembles a little bit like the, the end of, you know, um, 
Indiana Jones and the uh, what's it called the first one called you know where they've got the Holy Grail and at the end there's just all these boxes and they're just storing it away this this full of tanks and it was just there in this kind of neglected dusty looking old tank and I remember opening up the sample tap and getting it and this beautiful sort of russet coloured beer came out smelling a little bit like Road and Back Grand Cru and it tasted just incredible and I just thought this is so devastating that this beer is just down here just kind of neglected and so that started my campaign within Fuller's and, and Asahi to get this get this beer released and it was wonderful that you guys were there when we actually got to sort of re- rebrew it you know how long ago is that you know seven years later or something mm. I kind of can't believe it took that long but you know here we are right and so yeah the uh, Gales uh, brewery was uh, purchased by Fuller's um, it was you know, it was uh, it was closing down and, and luckily Fuller's was purchased it and they held on to at least brewing uh, the, the they use the the Gales yeast. They've maintained the Gales yeast ever since, which uh, uh, I've heard told was three different strains of yeast uh, at that point. And John, uh, John Keeling, the, the brewing director at Fuller's, he brewed at Gales. A batch uh, using the the wood there at Gales to kind of collect the organisms. So because the, the the wood was had its own bacteria and wild yeast and things like that in it, and uh, brewed that batch, and then they took it to Fuller's and packaged it. Is that correct? Or they packaged it there at Gales, and then he he saved some of the beer. He uses kind of a solera for future beers to maintain that culture of organisms that's been around since king george yeah yeah i mean so it's it, um i mean the romance i know that you guys share of these victorian tower breweries Horndean, which is sort of north of portsmouth had this tower brewery <coughs> excuse me and the only time they ever used their old victorian copper you know this sort of work boiler was when they brewed price old ale uh-huh. So that was right at the top of the tower. So mm-hmm. we're talking three stories up. So every time it was brewed, this this copper wasn't very well looked after. So work would be leaking out of this thing and just draining <laughs> down the brewery. So people would be Ow! and so they would boil for three hours. Yeah. And then yes, as you say, they they had these sort of wooden washbacks like you have in uh, in you know uh, single malt whiskey distilleries and things like that to sort of develop a lactic acid bacteria culture. They had this. And so they would store it in there for a year before then bottling it. Mm-hmm. So the, the truth is, is that towards the end, the, the Gales Brewery hadn't had a lot of investment. So they were having to rough filter everything that they were doing, even their sort of clean, normal beers. So John Keeling's wonderful innovation was, you know, the last few brews that they did at Gales was this prize old ale, this 9% beer. And they got that. And as you say, he, you know, he got, he got the microorganisms and then he moved it to Fuller's, and then they did a prize old ale recipe. But then, rather than maturing it in wood because they didn't have any room for it, they matured it in in steel, which basically just same as steel, which basically just sort of cleaned it up a little mm-hmm. bit, and really just emphasised, you know, as I say, those beautiful sort of balsamic flavours. But they did, as you say, with the Solera, they did just blend the, 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 all those Gales batches in with. The, the Fuller's work that they did. And, you know, I think everyone said that there was a huge improvement from when they moved from Gales to Fuller's. The only problem is, is that the sales weren't great. So they did that twice. And then it just never, 
it never happened you mm-hmm. know, again. Um, so we had so basically by the end there was about forty hectoliters left in a tank in that tank in that little benighted tank in in the tank room, and I got that shipped to Dark Star in November uh, two thousand nineteen. So then we then we had that in a um, uh, in tank for yeah yeah sort of a couple uh, of years. years before we then finally got to. Got to got to re, re uh, do a brew a new batch so that we which we could then a forty hectoliters batch so we could then mix in with the with the stuff from Fuller's mm-hmm. um, yeah right right so during those those three years did you uh, drink a lot of the old ale off the tank did we did, did it go we from did. forty hex to to thirty nine <laughs> yeah 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 hundred liters yep yep. Well, the, pro- the problem was, is I think the reason why it took so long for it to be released, I think obviously COVID had a big mm. problem, you know, that just sort of cancelled everything. Right. But I also terrified Asahi by saying that I wanted a wooden washback. So I was talking to Austrian, um, you know, wood, wood makers, you know, I was talking and I, and I kept giving quotes to Asahi, like, oh, come on, you know, the more complexity we give to this, the more interest we're going to get. And they were did not want to give me fifty thousand fifteen thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. And I think it that derailed the project for about two years, you know, if I can be honest. Um, but I think once they calmed down, I think once everyone had calmed down and I said, no, don't worry, we'll just we'll brew this and it'll be reasonably cheap because you know there's no American hops, mm-hmm. this is goldings and fuggles. You know, we'll get the yeast for free from Fuller's. You know, this is it's gonna be okay, guys, I promise. Right. I'll hand wax it myself, we won't outsource anything. Then they were like, Okay, yes, go for it. And um you know, it was, we, you know, we saw, we didn't, we, I mean, we only bottled 3,600 bottles, but they just sold out every day that we released them. It just mm-hmm. sold out straight away. So they were like, mm. so, so we got there in the end. There was some, it was an emotional roller coaster, should we say? <laughs> well, it's all thanks to you, uh, you know, that this, this beer continues on as, as surviving. You know, uh, the, you know, the, the fact is that so many great beers and so many great breweries, uh, historic ones, you know, die off every year, and you know, certain beers that have been made for a hundred years uh, stop being made because it doesn't have citra and mosaic, and it doesn't, uh, you know, uh, it isn't hazy and all these other things, and uh, it's killing a lot of these classic beers that are, you know, just just amazing in their own right. And uh, I guess people got tired of amazing, so yeah. who knows. But hopefully this, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get the word out about this Gales Prize Old Ale. It's it's really a fantastic beer. Now, Neil, have you have you had any of them? Are you saving I have, this one? I have not had, other than what we t- sampled at the brewery. I have refused to open what few bottles I have yet <laughs> so that some others can enjoy it with me. And I just yeah. haven't had the time to do it. But. You're just not up for chugging a pint of 10% beer? Uh well, certainly. In the morning, the first thing in the morning. All the love and effort that went into this, I don't want to waste it. Yes. I, I know what uh, you're saying. And just if we could just back up just a hair mm-hmm. uh, for any of our viewers or listeners that might not know that term Solera, could could you or Henry Jamil or Henry explain what that what that is? Uh, I'm sure lots of people know it, especially people that are into, you know, wood aged beers and sour beers and that type of thing. But there, we may have some listeners that have never heard that term before. No. Nope. Shall I? What is Jamil? 
go, Ed, go for it, Henry. Well, I think I think it sort of it comes from from the sherry. I think is where the idea comes from, where you have that particular sort of yeast, and the idea is is that you sort of inoculate. And please correct me, guys, if I'm wrong on this. Where you use older beer to inoculate younger beer, and and I think the, the thing about this is so so it was very important with the microorganisms, as you say, that because we have this kind of because we had those wooden vessels we had that unique microbiology stretching back to the 1920s when they first started using these vessels by taking the taking older beer and then mixing it in with younger beer to have you know we had 40 hex and then 40 hex of the new stuff to make 80 you're you're inoculating the batch and you're sort of keeping that unique flavor alive is, is how I would say it. So putting simply, you, you, you're taking older beer and mixing it in with young, younger beer and to keep it, keep that unique microflora environment going. A bit like sort of like a, a sourdough starter or something like that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good example. Let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll have more about Gale's Prize Old Ale right after this. All right, we're back. We're talking with uh, Henry Kirk, who's uh, the uh, or was the head brewer of uh, Dark Star, and, and Neil and I uh, we went out to uh, to brew with him. It was it was I, I gotta I gotta take uh, take responsibility here. Henry just mentioned, you know, in a, in a conversation that he got to brew uh, got approval to brew Prize Old Ale again, and. Uh, I immediately said, well, okay, I'll be there. <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> I didn't go like, hey, is it okay? You know, sometimes you can't, you can't, uh, <clears throat> can't be polite because there might have been a reason I shouldn't have been there. And then uh, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, Neil, come on along. Because, you know, Neil's a big fan of uh, all the UK beers as well. So, yeah. Uh, well, it's, well, always, it's always a pleasure to have you along. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, hopefully we helped and did not hinder the process too much. Oh, uh, Neil, absolutely you did. I mean, you, you did, you worked out the sugar calculations, which was very, very helpful. Yeah. And then, you know, Neil, and you know, you were, you were doing a lot of the foot, foot soldiering, you know, cutting up those massive cubes yeah. of invert sugar. Um, cause unfortunately we don't have a sort of sugar dissolving vessel there. We had to have these huge 25 kilo chunks of invert, invert number two sugar, and just saw it, saw it with bread knives and things like that, and then just chuck it in. I mean, it was it was pretty glamorous, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a sight to behold. I'm it telling you, it was it was absolutely one of the most fun I've had doing a collab brew ever. And the the first collab brew I did with you, we've talked about this before. Was we did a blackberry goza at at Fuller's, which to this day people still talk to me. They go like. I can't believe you you got Fuller to do Blackberry because I'm like, I don't, I'm like, it was John Keeling, it was Henry. I was just along for the ride. I mean, e even now I get people from Asahi saying to me, why did you do that? Why, <laughs> why did you? And I was just like, well, why not? <laughs> if you're not going to do some crazy stuff once in a mm -hmm. while and actually make people go, ooh, um, right. what's, what's the point? You know, and, and technically... For us to be able to sour 260 hectolitres of, of work was, I mean, it was astonishing. I mean, it was, and the team has never been as motivated and as involved as they were that day because we needed every single one of them, didn't we? 
I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. And then to go in there and be like testing it every couple of hours, like, you know, t- testing the pH, just seeing it race down. You know, I think it eventually got down to 3.1 or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was thrilling. What a roller coaster. You know, you don't get that feeling when you're brewing <laughs> London Pride. As wonderful as that beer is, by the way. Yes, yes. That's, uh, that's got to be my my top number one experience uh, collab brewing ever. And I, it's, I, I, I'm not sure it could, should, uh, could be beat. And uh, the Gales, uh, it's got to be second. Well, well, you, Henry, well. we do one more together. You're going to have the top three. I'm yeah. sure I'm certain of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, now that we're both breweryless, we need to we need to find the location for this to happen. Um, but yeah, we, we we will make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, what a blast! All right, so um, you were talking about the invert sugar and all that. Um, uh, what what should we do next? Should we talk about the the recipe and then we can kind of go over the process? Or yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, based off of. My observations when I was there, uh, I came up with, this is US five gallons, uh, 19 liters, all grain brewing. Your original gravity is going to be 1092 or 22 Play-Doh. Now, final gravity, you're shooting for about 1017 or 4.3 Play-Doh. IBUs is going to be about 46 uh, based on Rager. And the, uh, the color is going to be somewhere around 19 to 25 SRM, depending on what invert sugar you use. So invert sugars, they come out, you know, uh, there's number one, number two, number three for British brewing. The higher the number, the darker it is. Your ABV is going to be about 9.8. And let's see here, that'd be 12 pounds or 5.6 kilograms of English pale ale malt, 2.86 pounds or 1.3 kilograms of number three invert sugar or uh, we used uh, number one in our in our brew at Dark Star, but uh, that's one thing. It's, well, let me finish the rest of the recipe. We'll talk about number of sugars some more. Uh, Twenty-two ounces or six hundred and twenty-four grams of torrefied wheat, four point six ounces or one hundred and thirty-two grams of black malt, and let's see here. I went with one and a quarter ounce. Four additions, you know, uh, fuggles and goldings at sixty minutes. So one and a quarter ounce or thirty-five grams each. And then uh, at zero minutes, one and a quarter ounce, 35 grams in goldings. Uh, yeasts, I would go with uh, probably White Labs WLP 017 Whitbread 2 or the Y yeast uh, 1099 Whitbread. And then, uh, you know, if you could get yourself a, a bottle of uh, Gale's Prizel Ale, you could use the dregs from that as your, you know, your Solera moment where you, you add that to the, to the beer. Uh, and then, uh, or if you can't do that, I would try the White Labs uh, WLP665 Flemish Ale Blend or the Y East 3763 Rosalaire. And all this, if you don't want to write it down, is going to be in an article in uh, BYO coming out uh, soon. They jammed into the next possible slot they had, and that should be coming out soon. Henry, so talk to us about the invert sugar choices. So invert one much lighter in color. That's what we used on, in, at Gales at the, for this Gales brew, right? Uh, it was kind of a, like a, kind of a cream color. Uh, um, two is darker. Three is, is fairly dark. And then you've got the mythical four. 
that they don't really make anymore. That's mm. that's the darkest. I mean, yeah, I mean, the I would have loved to have used two or three, so a bit darker, because I think the darker it gets, the bit more of the sort of impurities that you get, the bit more sort of flavour as well that comes through. Um, I mean, put simply, I used I used one because those were the only blocks that they sort of make now. So mm. the company that makes those invert sugars, they've kind of really dialed back on on the ones that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, that was that was. I would have loved to have gone darker, but you know, given that we put in twenty five kilos of black mole and the Ant- our Anton Parr could not read the gravity at that color and that alcohol, I think <laughs> I think we were right with one. But that was unfortunately that was, that was the decision on, on. I mean, what there's nothing wrong with one particularly. I just find that the sort of darker ones are a bit more interesting from a flavor point of view. A little more flavor, a little more, a little more caramel, a little more raisin, a little more mm-hmm. you know complexity to to that overall profile yeah. yeah exactly and i think if you want those ones made you have to commit to two one metric ton each ibcs <laughs> and that would have been a bit difficult uh, to exactly. justify you know for for the for the powers that be understandably whereas this i could get uh, i think i bought in about 400 kilos mm-hmm. um, so we were all right on that of the of the blocks well and uh you know as as home brewers or you know even small commercial brewers you can make your own invert sugar it's not too difficult you you start with like a turbinado sh- sugar and um you uh mix it with uh, some citric acid and in, in water on the in a in a pot and uh you start uh heating it up bringing it to a boil very slowly and gently and then you let this thing simmer for you know however long initially you, you let it go for about 30 minutes or so and that makes you invert number one uh you keep taking it further and further and you can make uh you know as dark an invert sugar as you want some people add a little bit of uh corn syrup uh to it you, if you do i don't think you want the flavored corn syrup but they do that in order to keep it from crystallizing i've not had a problem with it crystallizing i, I go uh just slow and steady you need a candy thermometer so you can check the temperature. Uh, I forget the exact uh, temperatures, but uh, you can find, I think it's around uh, 240 degrees, something like that. Uh, you can find it on the internet. It'll also be in the article in, in Brew Your Own Magazine. Um, and uh, you can you can check that out uh, online. Um, I, I tell you, you know, there's there's one person out there that I think should make like a special invert sugar brewing kit, which would be uh, our good friends uh, at Blickman Engineering. I don't know if you, you, know, you have you ever met uh, John Blickman, either of you guys? I, yeah, I have definitely. Yeah, he, he's a wonderful guy, an extremely brilliant uh, engineer. And uh, he's created Blickman Engineering, which makes all sorts of uh, equipment for home brewers and even uh, craft brewers, uh, commercial craft brewers now. And uh, you can check them out, BlickmanEngineering.com. A uh, great friend of the show, been sponsoring the show for 15 years or, or more, yeah. uh, which, which uh, that's why you can get the show for free. Uh, you know, while, while people are charging for their podcasts and things like that, uh, John Blickman has, has been ponying up and, and making this happen. So cheers to him. I'm sure he would, uh, you know, what we need is a invert sugar making machine. So it just, you pour the sugar in one end and out shoots whatever color of invert sugar you want on the other end. Yeah. Anybody can do it. Right. (laughs) All homebrewers are lazy. So yes, me, especially I'm I'm there. (laughs) 
because otherwise it takes some time, but it's not that difficult to, to do at home. Now, if you need, uh, you know, 400 kilos of it, that's, that's going to be an issue, but, uh, <laughs> otherwise not too bad for, for, uh, home brewing. And then, uh, so the, the malt you use was, uh, the, the Simpsons. It was, it was Maris Otter. The Simpsons Maris Otter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say that um, I got, it's interesting about the invert sugar using the invert sugar because it's towards the end of Gales, they were using glucose rather than invert sugar. Huh. And so I, I kind of got told off on Twitter because I wasn't being that, um, you know, true to the recipe. And I'm like, oh, give me a break. I'm allowed, I'm allowed to upgrade a little bit, aren't I? Right. Um, and it was a similar thing with the Maris Otter. A lot of it's it's a funny one because people get so emotional about Maris Otter. People absolutely swear by it. And other ones, other people are like, it's rubbish. You're just, they're charging double the price. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's all, it's all a fantasy. But again, for me, I felt it had to be Maris Otter. I am mm-hmm. in team Maris Otter. I think, you know, it's got a terrible yield and the grains are smaller and all that sort of stuff. But it's, I, I do believe it in parts a wonderful sort of bready flavor to it. So I thought, look, this might be the only chance I get to brew this beer. So we're going, we're going with Mm -hmm. the big boys. Right. I think for people bring it home, you know, I think a lot of uh, British ale malt is great, you know, and you'll, you'll, you'll do fine with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, I'm, I'm with you. I believe fully in Maris Otter. Also golden promise is Mm. another one. I think those two malts are just spectacular. And, and if you're brewing any British ale, I would go with, Go with those, and in in the U.S. you can you can get those. You know, enough of it gets shipped over that it's pretty accessible. What were you going to say, Neil? Oh, just I totally agree. You know, it. You've said this many many times, Jamil. If you want to make a British beer, you got to use British ingredients, and I completely agree with that because British and Scottish ales—that's my wheelhouse from a from a homebrew perspective, as well as you know, like Henry mentioned. I am fascinated by those Victorian towers. Mm-hmm. And one thing I learned on this trip that I'd never heard of was something you mentioned earlier, but since we were on the invert sugar topic, is the sugar dissolving vessel. I had never heard that phrase. I, I think I had seen a picture with the three, the acronym, and I had no clue what it was. So, I mean, this trip was just full of, I was like a kid in a candy store learning learning stuff and taking in because just like Jamil said, these breweries are closing hand over fist in the UK and it's, it's criminal in, in my opinion, but I don't want to bring everybody down. We've lost a couple this year, last year, you know, which is yeah, devastating, but a lot of hanging on. Yeah. You know, if, if, if people don't appreciate what they have and support these, these, uh, breweries they're gonna they're gonna disappear and it's yeah. a darn shame because they'll never be recreated no no they won't yeah yeah if you know of any uh, of these uh, classic breweries for sale you know let neil and i know as long <laughs> as it's below like let's say 500 pounds i think we yeah. can <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah the, the pound has dropped against the dollar but sadly not that much no not that much yeah Okay. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that I think probably the, the one of the best bits of the brew day for me was seeing you two drink the original batch. 
Mm. And because I remember you try you two tried it and you got when you went silent for a long time. And I was like, uh-oh, we're we in did. trouble here. They hate it. But actually, you guys, I think you were just overwhelmed by it. On and the I contrary, think, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I think talking about this recipe, I think the the really important thing actually is time. That's mm. that's the big thing. You know, you brewing these beers at home, you've got to give them you've got to let these beers mature. They really, really need that time to marry together. And we were so fortunate in a way that this beer had just been left alone pretty much for 11 years. And mm-hmm. when are you going to get that maturation time? You know, I mean, it's sort of extraordinary, right. really. Yeah, that, it was it was incredible. It, it had such a complexity. It wasn't it really wasn't very sour. Uh, but you could you could get that uh, that underlying funk and uh, you know that that hint of tartness and all that blended in with all the the great malt flavors. Really, something special. And then so that eleven year old beer was blended in with the new one that we brewed, and then you held that for some months Six to allow months, it to yeah. develop as well, right? And then and then you hand packaged that into five hundred mil bottles. Each one uh, hand wax dipped, which uh, yeah. that's some some pretty good uh, wax wax dipping there. <laughs> yep, there were big variations in the waxing. It has to be said. <laughs> so you did how many bottles by hand? About thirteen three thousand six hundred, I think. Oh. So it was barely you know a couple of pallets really. There there were reasons for that why there weren't more, but uh, we will. We'll, um, There's only yeah. only so many Henry can wax dip. Exactly, exactly. There was only so much gold wax in the UK at that time. Right. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's interesting again what you say about it not being particularly sour. I agree with that because I think mm-hmm. people were desperate for this beer to taste really bretty. People mm. really wanted that brettanomyces, and I think it never really been there. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? I think I think if it had been there, I think we still would have had that. So I think there is a bit of lactic acid. I think there's I think there's some things there, but yeah, as you say, it's a lot smoother and kind of richer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, people, I did get a lot of messages being like, "Where's the Brits?" And uh, you yeah. know, and I think that's another thing that's great about this beer that it is a historical British style, mm-hmm. and I'm not, um, you know, the Brett heads. I love you, respect, but it's interesting that this went another way, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this this is you know quite historic, and uh, it'll it, it will develop in the bottle as well. If if you if you get a chance to buy some, you need to buy more than one bottle. You need to buy you know as many as you can afford, or as many as you can find, because yeah. you're going to want to store those, and uh, they will develop over time. And you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I can hold on to one for. For at least a few years, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how that how that comes out. Maybe I mean, there'll be plenty in my garage. So you know, next yeah. time you come round, you know, if you come round once a year for ten years, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, that I mean, there, great. To be fair, there is a bit of funk there, I suppose. That's not, yes, uh-huh. but it's not hugely of all sort of rightiness to me. I would say. Yeah. But but I, I don't think uh, I don't think that would really be appropriate in this beer. I think you know it's it's. Uh, yeah, you want it to be, you know, a bit of funk, you know, melding in with the the all the other flavors that are there. 
Um, you know, it's kind of got, uh, you know, a nice uh, bready malt and, uh, you know, some caramel and, uh, you know, it's got some fruitiness to it as well. Just, just overall really, really nice old ale. I think one of the best that I've ever had, and I've had, I've had, uh, older versions of the, the Gales, um, hmm. and I was, uh, just chatting with Julia Hertz from the uh, the Brewers Association, and she uh, she was mentioning that she had some bottles in her cellar that she was going to go ahead and give those a try, and, and we chatted about uh, the brewing of this and and brewing of ESBs as well. So it's kind of fun. Uh, let's take another short break, and when we come back, we'll have more about Gail's Prize Old Ham after this. All right, we're back talking Gale's Prize Old Ale with uh, Henry Kirk of uh, Dark Star fame. And let's see, where were we? We're talking about uh, about uh, brewing Gale's Prize Old Ale. So uh, the day of the brew, you guys had uh, dowed in, and then we added the uh, we, the we ran off the wort, got got in the boil kettle, and I think how long was our boil? It was only what sixty minutes, ninety minutes. We didn't go the three hours. It was two hours. Two hours. So I was desperate to do three hours. I was yes. really, really, you, you guys were there. I should say Anthony Smith, who a, a colleague from Fuller's, who he worked at Gales. So he was a major guy in terms of our information and really helped with this project. <coughs> Brilliantly, he was there as well. And he was like, Henry, we don't need to boil for three hours. So we kept testing throughout the boil, didn't we? And then it got to the two-hour mark, and we were like, with the sugar and everything, we got there. We got where we wanted to be. So we were like, okay, all right, fine. I'll, I know that that's how they did it at Gales, but, you know, we'll, two hours would be enough. And it looked sort of dark enough. And then, hilariously, because we chucked in all the, all the chunks of sugar, we had a big problem, didn't we, um, transferring it into the whirlpool. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of, there was a lot of <laughs> back flushing, shall we say. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that that was that was a great moment. Even though at, at Dark Star we had a an external calandria and a sort of spreader, so I was hoping that we would get it get it all mixed. The outlet point is a little bit higher than the bottom, so I think we just there was a big old clump of of invert sugar that just just sat there. But that 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 was a bit of a difficult moment because we were just I was sort of thinking, hmm, are we going to have to abandon this? Oh, what, what is happening here? This is going to be, I'm just going to have to pretend that we never brewed this. It's never happened. Um, but luckily, we were able to, to just blast some boiling hot water back and, and clear the pipe. And as soon as I saw it going into the whirlpool, I was like, oh, my God, this might happen. We might actually do this. This beer might get into an FV. I think so it's safe to assume... Anytime I'm there, it's going to be challenging and uh, <laughs> it's, it's questionable whether the, the, the beer will be made. Because I remember you saying that when we were brewing at Fuller's, we're like, hey, we, we, do we, we may have to just dump this. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> it was, it was the, uh, the paraflow was yes. the issue there. Yeah. Then they had to reprogram everything <laughs> in the system to allow us to... Uh, Use a kettle twice for the same beer because it's. Yeah, it, they did not know. like that. The computer said no. We yeah. really they. A lot of people had to do a lot of work, and I felt bad. Yeah. I felt bad, but we, as I say, everyone managed to do that. And I um, think everyone was 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 thrilled to see it see it work. 
Yeah, that's right, because we had to get the beer from, we boiled it for 15 minutes, wherever long it was, and then we had to get get it down to 30 degrees or something. Mm -hmm. And then once it hits that target, it's like, yeah, I want to get rid of this now. This needs to be transferred now. It's like, no, 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 this has got to stay here for 24 hours. Yeah. So the computer system did not like that. But yeah, we managed to, the the computer guys managed to override a lot of stuff. It's probably never recovered since. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a blast. I, and again, why I had so much fun every time I'm with you is because you end up having me do things, and you know that I am <laughs> uncomfortable with. I'm just like, I, I'm going to screw this up. This, Henry's just having me do this, uh, so he has somebody to blame. I think. Uh, you know, Jamel, calculate how much uh, inverse sugar we need to add. I'm like, uh, okay. Well, you look like you had some sort of calculator on your on your phone, or you had you had a formula was, in your mind, and I was like, "Thank God!" It was because it I hadn't was, really thought that far ahead. It was just the calculator app on my phone. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have a calculator. I didn't. I didn't have to do it, uh, you know, longhand with a sheet of paper. But yeah, I'm just. Uh, I'm like, well, how much is uh, sugar per pound per gallon? Did some did some quick math, and apparently, it worked. So I was very relieved when it worked. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did. Because my, my, the way I was going to do it, this shows you what an incredible technical brewer I am, is I was just going to keep adding sugar right, until we got, got where we wanted. And then, yeah, so you <laughs> saved a hell of a lot of cooling, a lot of sampling. Um, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the fact that you trusted me is uh, still just blows me away. So, but look, go. always blame the work experience boy. You know, right. they're not there anymore. You know, right, it's crucial. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was in charge, but Jamil, I don't know why he screwed it. Up. I went crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. And then uh, how did you decide on the hopping for this? So, so the hopping was interesting because at Gales, they used uh, whole leaf hops. Again, as is traditional in British brewing, there was loads of really big hop charge at the start. And that's oh, excuse me, and that's important because they all these breweries had hop backs, mm-hmm. so they really love to use a lot of hops at the start of the boil to really once once you drop the copper into the into the hop back, which is basically like a mash tun. They really like having a lot of hops there to kind of filter all that proteinaceous, shrubby material. Mm-hmm. So, looking at the recipe from from the, the only Gales book I had to hand, which was the 1989 one. They had loads of Goldings and Fuggles right at the start and not a lot of aroma. Like actually, I think actually probably they didn't have any at the at the end, which again is kind of kind of quite um quite usual for these beers that would have been matured for a long time. You know, you're not going to get a huge amount of hop aroma, fresh hop aroma. Mm. So working with a different system, working with a system with a louter ton and a separate kettle and whirlpool with type 90 pellets, I wanted to keep true to that. And then, yeah, so I added tw- uh, 10 kilos of Goldings, 10 kilos of Fuggles, an IBU of 45. But because adding hops to the Whirlpool is so ingrained, I thought, why not? Let's give it a go. And we whacked in a little bit more Goldings and Fuggles in the, in the Whirlpool mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, I just thought because we weren't able to completely match what they were doing back then, I had a bit of freedom to sort of do what mm-hmm. I wanted to do. And also a Dark Star, Dark Star was made famous by using American hops. 
but every time I got to use some English hops, I'd go crazy. Like, let's put it in the whirlpool as well. I just loved opening the bags, you know. I was like, yeah, please, more. So, yeah, that was, that, that, that was, that was the hopping regime. So I think it was important. The 45 BU was accurate. Mm-hmm. That's what they were getting at Fuller's. So that's the BU that they were getting. So I thought as long as we hit that, mm-hmm. I could play about a bit, you know. Why not? Right. It's my party. Right. Uh, it, balancing it between the, the, the different additions. Mm. And then now what about fermentation? When we were there, um, transfer with oxygen, and then uh, you and Anthony uh, had uh, those <laughs> blue cubes of yeast that were grown up in the Fuller's lab. And uh, Anthony was saying that it had uh, the Gale's yeast was three different yeasts that comprised the, the Gale strain. That's right. Yeah. So de- definitely there's a Whitbread strain in there. I know they mm-hmm. sort of called the one, two, three or something. So definitely know there was a Whitbread one. As for the other two, I'm not sure. I mean, that was a pretty hilarious moment when we got around to opening up those 25 kilo drums because they'd, even though we sent them in a refrigerated truck, they had still expanded a lot. Mm-hmm. So Anthony had filled them up from the yeast storage vessel, the Gales, the, the specific Gales yeast storage vessel. And, that, you know, you saw that. And so when we opened them up, whoa, I got, <laughs> I got gunged. By, there's a lot of photos of me just covered in, in gunk. Mm-hmm. Every time one got handed to me, I opened it up and it just blew out. So, yes, we got, we got eight. There was eight drums that we poured in. And God knows actually what the real weight of that all was. I mean, it was, some of them were half full. Some of them were brimful. I mean, it was, it was kind of... Kind of crazy. I mean, the I mean, at, at Fuller's they they work on the sort of a liter of yeast for a hectolitre of beer, depending mm-hmm. on the on the yeast viability, of course. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of we were doing, and because it was strong at nine percent, we went a bit over that sort of ratio. And then yeah, yeah. Then once once it was all poured in, I mean, you can imagine, you know, the we we poured all the yeast in. Oh, God, oh my god, I can't believe it. it's only in April. But I, were we transferring? Had we actually started casting while the time by the time the yeast oh, had gone yeah. in? Did we I, pour the yeast in first and then go in? I think you poured the yeast in first because yeah. you had the door open, the manway open to uh, mm. to to add the yeast. And I think if you were if you were transferring in at that point, you wouldn't have. Yeah. It would have been a real race against time. It would have been right. pretty terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, I think we I think that's the way we did we, we you, did it. Yeah. you seemed relatively calm. So I'm I'm guessing, yeah, the the work wasn't pumping in at, at a rapid clip while you're trying, <laughs> no. trying to no, and you know me i'm never calm under those <laughs> situations but yeah so we poured it all in shut the door hosed it all down as well i had to go and get changed and then yeah then we, we started pumping and we put the oxygen in and then yeah then when i came in the next morning i oxy- ox- um, oxygenated another, it again another dose of oxygen yeah and that was it and right. it was it fermented like crazy, it went mad. Mm-hmm. It, had, it had the time of its life in there. Well, and I, I, I felt bad because uh, you were saying, "Boy, it tastes hot," you know, right after fermentation. Which you know, yeah. I, I was like, "Yeah, you should add a second dose of oxygen." And then, uh, but Anthony said the same thing. He goes, "Yeah, Gales, they oxygenated a second time." But that yeast is a ripper. That will chew through anything. And uh, it's a very strong yeast. It's, it's a survivor. 
Uh-huh. It is. And, and again, that's a very similar thing with a lot of these old family yeasts, like Breakspear, for example. There's a local brewery to me that still uses that Breakspear yeast based in Henley upon Thames. And that will rip through a 3.8% pale ale in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. These, wow. you know, that's what the family brewers like. They like, like right. yeast that doesn't hang around, you know, that does its job and, you know, flocculates the bottom or rises to the top or whatever. But, you know, mm-hmm. It's not unusual. It was a bit frightening, to be honest with you, watching how quick it was going. I was like, whoa, it's, have, I, have I absolutely messed this up? But, yeah, it came out all right in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, I think those, those uh, higher alcohols that, get, that uh, get created in a condition like that, they eventually, with, with some acid, some organic acids in there and the, uh, and the, the higher alcohols, uh, will uh, esterific- yeah, esterification will occur and you'll you'll get uh, a little bit more of those esters that are key to a lot of the British beers and especially something like this. So I, I think it's it's a good way to go. It, I think it's proved out in the, the taste of the beer. It's just just fantastic. Neil, you're going to have to drink one of those. I know. I know. Very soon. Well, I, I know on that subject about Gale's yeast, I know what a you know, from an ester point of view, to me, British beers, that's the yeast character is also as critical. And Fuller's, I, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, Henry. I hope that they still make Gale's HSB, Horn Dean Special Bitter. That was one of my favorites when I was over there five, six years ago. And that it really brings out the character that the Horn Dean, the Gale's yeast Without, you know, with this beer, obviously we had other things going on, but with a really simple British, you know, bitter like that, the character of that yeast really comes through and, and it really struck me because it is different. It's different than drinking a London Pride or a Fuller's ESB. You can, uh, it has its own character. Yeah, you can taste the, the, the Whitbread lineage, I think, in, in those beers. It has the Whitbread, all the Whitbread yeasts have a you know, kind of that, I don't know how to describe that character other than saying tastes like wit bread. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was able to have it at, uh, what's the, what's the tiny little Fuller's pub uh, with the, uh, back, back in a little alley. And, uh, it, I think it had oh, the oh, cherry the tree. Yeah. The, the dove in, Her- in Hammersmith or, yeah, uh, it might be. It, it had the cherry tree that uh, the young young princess or queen danced around. Where is that? It's often a little backwards. Anyways, had it on had it on on cask. The uh, the uh, Gales prize all day. Also, I felt very lucky to uh, be able to to have that. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's interesting at HSB we because uh, you also have the the FV. It's the vessel size, you know, slinger conicals versus open round fermenters and things like that. That also has a big impact on esters. But that's another, that's mm-hmm. another story. Um, yeah, open fermentation and uh, is is a huge uh, impact on things like that. Uh, we all went to Harvey's when you were out there with us, Neil, and uh, yeah, they've got those open fermenters, and I've. I'm still just blown away by the uh, the fermentation character of all the Harvey's Harvey's beers. Not oh, really funky, weird, or anything, but mm-hmm. there is a complexity wow. to that fermentation character that I don't think any other beer has. 
They're 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 Sussex best. My oh. God, that is such an incredible beer. I totally agree. And Dan, the old ale, uh, Henry. I don't know if I told you this, but I I, I muled in my luggage a couple of five liter those mini casks that they have. Oh yeah, I picked yeah, up yeah. A, a, a five liter of the the Sussex best and the old ale and brought it home with me. And uh, oh, just amazing. Just tasted yeah. so fantastic, but there's no yeast in there. Yes, yes, zero yeast. Serious about that? Yeah, yeah. No they, escape. <laughs> no escape. I'm gonna have to get in there and just dive in face first into into the fermenter and scoop as much yeast into my body as I can, and maybe maybe I'll be able to uh, have the yeast that way. Permanently part of there my bio. Wasn't there a story about the? the Germans in the 19th century using an umbrella or something to go and they went to Burton and they somehow managed to nab the yeast that way. You know, you need to do something like that. Yes. I'm <laughs> going to carry little, little um, sterile vials with me. Um, <laughs> and, as, and as long as, uh, you know, they don't mind me just getting a little scoop. It's a little bit. That's all I need. Uh, <laughs> be fantastic. My, my, my life would be complete at that point. All right, one last break, and we'll come back. We'll, we'll wrap up talking about Gail's Prize Old Ale right after this. All right, we're back. I want to tell you about uh, one of our other fine sponsors, Brew Chatter, up in uh, Sparks, Nevada, right next to Reno. Great folks. They'll have everything you need to brew Gail's Prize Old Ale right there. And uh, anything special that you want, they'll, they can get it for you. And uh, they could even teach you how to make invert sugar uh, on your own if you if you decide to you know go with the magical mystical invert number four uh, in this beer. You certainly could It'd be quite fun. So check them out, brewchatter.com. Great folks, uh, Josh and RJ, uh, love those guys. If you get a chance to, to swing by there, if you're ever in Reno, you gotta stop by and say hi and uh, check them out. They even have a little bar in there where you can. Uh, Try a lot of the, the local beers that, uh, you know, they curate kind of a, a very fine list of local beers there. Very enjoyable. Check them out. All right. So let's see. You had the, the, the fermentation and the fermentation was done in just a couple of days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And at what point did you uh, merge this with the, the Solera, the, uh, the, the held over beer from uh, 2011? Well, that was that was the most terrifying moment. That was the really <laughs> don't screw this really, up. Yes, <laughs> exactly. They could have been a real obscenity, like profanity. Yeah. Um, so I waited six weeks, so mm -hmm. sort of end of May, and I thought, look, come on, let's do we, this. Is we've got to do it. <laughs> so I moved. So I moved the prize old ale from its FV where it had been staying for the last three years, put it in a dish bottom maturation vessel. Kind of took a breath. And then put in put in the um, put in the new stuff uh, mm -hmm. sort of under, underneath, sort of filling it from the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then then I, uh, after a day, I, I mixed it together, blasted through again through the through the spray ball there, and um, yeah, and then I just left it left it for six months, which is kind of what I wanted to do because I wanted to sort of, I think these I think these beers, these price old ales, really get. get hark back to those sort of Mars and ales, those sort of harvest ales where you would brew it in in, mm -hmm. in March 
for October, you know, mm-hmm. store it. So I wanted to give it at least six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because also we had a bit of, there was a bit of diacetyl in the fresh beer. So I wanted mm-hmm. to wanted to leave that for a little bit to try and try and mop that. I don't think it completely went. There's still a bit of that in, in the bottle. But again, I think that will dissipate over time. But yeah, it was kind of, again, I don't know whether this is very scientific to say six months, but that was a real thing in my mind, wanting the, mm-hmm. the blend to have six months together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to not rush it, let it start to uh, develop, you know, especially if, uh, you know, when uh, when you transferred, did you purge the the uh, maturation vessel to, to, with uh, CO2 or did you allow there well, to be did, a little yeah. bit of oxygen? I did, I did, I did purge it with CO2. Yeah. There was a lot of moments in this process where I was like, should I just do this? And I sort of erred on, on the side of caution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, I think it would have been fine to, to not be quite as worried about that. But I think, you know, I, I think in the end it was, it was good to, to go that way and purge it with CO2 and mm-hmm. eliminate some risks. You probably pick up a little bit of oxygen in the transfer anyways, yeah. the, the active, uh, biome of yeasts and bacteria probably suck that up pretty quick but uh, I, I think in home brewing I, I don't think you need to be too cautious about it uh, i think you know it could add to the character so yeah i think <laughs> it'll turn out well i i i uh I would. I have been a big fan of old ales, and I've I've tried some. People have gifted me bottles and things like that over the years. And again, I think that you know you've done just a brilliant job with this, Henry. I think uh, I think that's one of the reasons that uh, you know maybe they'll they'll keep on brewing this. So after after you package this, how much beer was left over? It was probably about we we put quite a lot into cask, which was nice. It was really mm-hmm. great to see it on draft in pubs. Yes, I mean again, that was another incredible moment. You know, we we launched it in the Harp. If people don't know that pub, it is the pretty much the number one cask beer pub in London. We had a launch there. That was real bucket list stuff. So yeah, of the eighty hectoliters, we probably packaged about thirty. So mm-hmm. there was sort of fifty fifty left. Um, yeah, and drinking. that's being transported back to back to Fuller's. Back to Fuller's to be held for the next the next brew. Any idea if they you know been successful enough? They're they're talking about next year, or are they talking yeah. a few years down? Yeah, they're, they're, they're talking. They're talking about it. They're talking about. It's a really wonderful thing about this. Right. I think even though we only sold quite a small amount, you know, three thousand liters, it really got people talking. Really got people. A lot of journalists got on board. Martin Cornell, all these wonderful people, um, Roger Protz. And yeah, I think they'll, I, I don't know exactly what's happening, but I think we will see this. Mm-hmm. We will see this next year. I think there is some, there's definitely talk about brewing it this year, brewing a new batch to blend and then, and then, yeah, maybe release to next year, early next year. Right. Don't hold me to that, but I think there's definitely, they're definitely so, talking about it, which is the good so, thing. So if Fuller's needs somebody to come in and calculate the sugar, you know, I, I'm available. I, I think we know somebody. Yeah. yeah. Well, believe me, when they rebrew it, we're, we're all going. Neil, pack your bags. I'll let yep. you guys know when they rebrew it. We'll we'll be there. Fantastic. That we, I I would be there in a heartbeat. Such a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. No question. As, yeah, so watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anything else uh, people should know about? Uh, 
about this beer or anything before we before we wrap up? It's uh, currently there. No exports have been done to the U.S. Correct, Henry. If if you want this beer, you got to go to the you UK. Fly over to England, pick some up, fly back. That's that's how it works. And, and it'll be worth it. I think it's worth it. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, there was there was a lot of greedy customers. A lot of people ordered a lot of bottles. That's a good so thing. People are sitting on a lot of it. Um, okay. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. You might be able to get some in the Fuller shop. So yeah, you got to you got to come to London, which you'll love anyway. You'll have a great yeah. time. Right. Uh, but while you're there, pick up, see if you can find some of these bottles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. It's been a fascinating journey, and I'd I'd love to, uh, you know stay involved uh, however possible you folks who are listening live and you know listen on the podcast try to support you know breweries like these and these efforts like this uh and and, and the historic breweries you know it, once it's gone it's too late it ends up turned into uh, you know apartments and all is lost so uh, let's not let that happen. Make sure you uh, support our uh, fine sponsors, Blickman Engineering. You can you can email them, feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. That will go straight to John Blickman himself. And you can tell them how much you love or hate this show. And uh, as long as as long as the number of loves uh, outweighs the hates, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to do this. Check out our, our friends, uh, Josh and RJ at BrewChatter.com. Good folks. They can even ship you, ship you the stuff uh, to make. Gail's prize all day. I'm sure we'll have a kit ready, you know, quickly now that I've put them on the spot. Uh, <laughs> get ready that you can just order. Because uh, because they listen too. They they listen to the show. So they they know uh they know what 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 stuff I've caused them to do. All right. That's it, everybody. Until later, Bruce Strong. <laughs>